top of IMDb now, there's just like a huge fucking full page ad for, I don't know, a, a car based anime. Yes, I'm and, seeing the same one. And for the Acura series, Type S. Chiaki's Journey? No, it's Chachi, like um, from Happy Days. Oh, yeah. It's a. It's also a uh, like a prequel series. Oh. It's a prequel to both Happy Days and to Joni Loves Chachi. Joni Loves Chachi is a spinoff from Happy Days. But to really get it, you have to watch Chachi's Journey only on IMDb um, ads. See, I guess maybe that's why I was never into the Chachi oh, the character. Fuck, there's another ad for it like right down below on the side. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about Chachi. This is how promotion happens now. They just plaster it all over everything. They just blast it into my brain until I don't know if what I'm seeing is supposed to be there or not. <laughs> um, and on that note, welcome to another Franco-February, the month where no one's really sure what's happening. Exactly. Um, we did not bring this up last week in fact that uh franco february is starting this week we've really dropped the ball on promoting things until they happen <laughs> they should just follow our if they did if they followed our instagram and twitter accounts like i tell them to um they would know because i i handcraft ads and microsoft paint because i'm a caveman <laughs> but yes it's the most wonderful time of the year franco yeah. february yeah it's a time of the year when we let our hair down and get a little crazy <laughs> i'll let my hair down okay uh so welcome back jeremy from uh I'm back from my exile on the internet <laughs> they let me out they let you out of the internet yeah like in um like in vr troopers i think that's how the monsters are made as they like escape from the internet <laughs> one of those shows <laughs> I think you might be right, yeah. I don't know if it's VR Troopers, but one of them, they would, they would like, there was a nerd on the internet that would taunt them, and then they'd have to fight a monster. <laughs> I don't have a good enough memory of VR Troopers to confirm yeah. or deny that. Yeah, me either, and it's, this last week or so inside the internet really hasn't helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you're back into uh, the real world, the... Yeah. The physical world. Yeah, it feels good. It's not a sharp. <laughs> sharp. Yeah, that's how I would describe it in one word. Okay. Well, I'm glad you could join us uh, for Franco February in person. Me too. It's been a it's been a long time coming. It has. It's been a year in the making. Yeah. Let's let it loose. Well, let's unleash Franco February, and today we're going to do so with the 1983 release, Cries of Pleasure. Ow. And Jeremy got bit by my cat. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Cries of Pleasure comes from Jess's period working with Golden Films. Uh, it was produced in 1982, one of... 12 or 13 films he made in that year. Sure. Um, this is kind of, you know, one of the last years that he would be making so many films. Yeah, so it's towards the end of his uh, 
super productive period. Yeah. Uh, falls off hard like around like 85 or 86. I feel like you don't see his name come up as much. Right, exactly. Um, and this time he was working, uh, like I said before, gold, with uh, Golden Films, who at that point was basically just letting him do whatever he wanted. So we get some pure uncut Jess Franco here. Yes. Uh, of course, they were also not really giving him much of a budget. So, uh, you know... He's having to make do with what he has, but uh, he's definitely able to make a Jess Franco film with it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So this film stars, of course, Lena Romay. It also stars Antonio Mayans, who I had to like go back and think about it, but I don't believe he was in any of the films that we've covered so far. No, this is the first time um, he's popped up on here. I know they have a long collaboration, but... Yeah. He ain't he ain't coming yet. Yeah, he worked with Jess for a long period of time. He in fact uh would work with him at the very end of his career as he starred in uh Al Pereira versus the Alligator Ladies, mm-hmm. uh Jess Franco's final film. And he would also produce the pseudo sequel to that film that was made uh, posthumously uh, with the remaining footage that Jess had, as well as some new footage that uh, Antonio Mayans himself shot. Uh, I believe that was like Return of the Alligator Ladies or something like that. Yeah, they came back. Yeah, they came back. But uh, at this point, here in the 80s, he is uh, a leading man in several of Jess's films, uh, here appearing alongside Lena Romay. Um, in fact, this film only has five members of the cast. Yeah, it's a very small, tight cast. It is. It's a small, tight cast. It also uh, includes uh, Rocio Frixis. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to say that. No, uh, I absolutely did not. Who uh, is playing the role of Martina. And uh, Elsa Vela, who is playing the role of Marta. And Juan Soler, who is playing Fennel, the uh, simpleton and guitarist. Yes. Uh, this is also the credited cinematographer for the film. Oh. Uh, he worked, uh, apparently, for Golden Films, but... So, like, when he wasn't on camera, he was behind the camera? Uh, perhaps a bit. Just uh, doing st- some stuff. Stephen Thrower said in talking about the film that... In reality, he was probably serving more of a consultant role because Jess couldn't keep his hands off the damn camera, as one could expect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And with the direction that the cinematography in this film takes, it's kind of obvious that it's very much Jess. Yeah, definitely. Um, But, you know, it's a creative piece for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that... Stephen Thrower brought up in the special features on this yes. film. Doctor Thrower uh, was—is he a doctor? I don't think so. I'm gonna honor him with the honorary doctorate from the Raincoat Institute. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. That's how we became doctors. Oh yes. Yeah, we got accredited. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Stephen Thrower brought up that. In this film, he counted roughly 50 shots in the entire film, Mm -hmm. the entire 90-minute movie. Yeah, there's Um, a lot of 
the camera just pans. They don't switch shots, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, he brought up for context that the average motion picture that's 90 minutes long will have anywhere between 800 and 1,500 shots in it. Yes. So uh, <laughs> that kind of puts it into perspective. And granted, there are some quick shots in this movie that make up that 50. There's about a dozen shots that go on for several minutes at a time. Yeah, I mean, they would have to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it's quite interesting, but he's able to use motion in the camera and zoom to keep the action moving. Um, he can't, you can't really move the camera around too much. Yeah. He, he moves it in like little circles and about and zooms in. Right. But you can't like move laterally across the floor very much or else you'll start casting a shadow with the lighting. Right. So he's kind of limited in what he can do, but he, he does his Jess Franco thing here. Yeah, he sure does. Um, I would like to see this, like the shooting script for this film. <laughs> it has to be about 70% just instructions to moan and writhe. <laughs> it probably is. Um, this is credited as an adaptation of the Marquis de Sade, although this doesn't really have any parallels with any particular Sadian story. No, they just have to give him a writing credit on anything that Franco does. <laughs> He's more, required by European law. More or less. Um, <laughs> in this case, it's not really so much of him adapting a story of Desaad as it is him taking Saudian ideas to create his own story. Um, a story of... Kind of libertine perversion. perversion. Uh, a Stephen Thrower drew a lot of parallels between this and the earlier film uh, that was released here as How to Seduce a Virgin. Um, similarly, in that case, it's about a couple who have no taboos and uh, feel uh, no moral need to do anything but whatever they want to do, any... Uh, lustful, violent thing. Your cat's drinking my brown water. <laughs> <laughs> cats love that water. <laughs> this story takes on a similar path to that with uh, the addition of an idiot who plays guitar. Yeah, Fennel. Yes. He's a breakout character. <laughs> He won several awards for this, I he hope. He won a Goya. Oh, yeah. For yeah. best um, assistant male performer. <laughs> like be To the best like person who played an assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Got a supporting role. <laughs> but they just have a specific one in Spain for Franco films where it's like best assistant. Right. Yeah. Like one year it's Morpho and then another year it'll be... Um, Fennel, and then the next year it's, uh, I don't know, uh, Torgo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's Cries of Pleasure. We're kicking off Franco February. Yeah, don't forget, the boss hasn't said it enough, it is Franco February. <laughs> uh, okay, well, with that, I guess that's enough of an introduction. So, we'll that's take fine. a quick break, and then we'll come back with our own Cries of Pleasure. 
Who do you think shot Mr. Burns? Uh, well, Mr. Burns' arms point out to the W and the S on the sundial. So, uh-huh. obviously, it was Wendell Smithers. Yeah, well, Wendell Smithers. The famous Simpsons. Wendell's the little sick kid. And Waylon Smithers. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Wendell, but yeah, Wendell's a little sick kid. I like to imagine that that's Smithers' little anemic son. <laughs> and he shot Mr. Burns. That makes a lot of sense. And then he threw up. They phased, <laughs> I think they phased him out pretty... Uh, wait. Is Wendell, is Wendell the sick kid or is it the black kid? There's just a couple that hang around on the bus. I think Wendell's the sick kid. I think there's a joke that Bart makes where he's like... He apologizes to Wendell. Yes, Wendell like, is the sick kid. I've yeah. confirmed through the power of the internet. Thank you. Um, that's my riff on Wendell. And he shot Mr. Burns? That's who you think, that's who you think shot Mr. That's Burns. That's who I think it is. We'll have to find out in the season premiere. I think it was probably the baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Raincoat Report. Um we're just getting around to watching season six of The Simpsons. <laughs> so, no spoilers, please. So, Cries of Pleasure opens up with a shot of a boat on the water, and the camera kind of pans around and zooms out, and we see a coastline. And as we kind of pull the camera back more and more, we finally see Fennel, our guitarist, playing. Yes. Then we pan down from Fennel to look at the dead body in the pool. Yeah, it starts off like uh, Sunset Boulevard. There's a body in the pool, and you got a lot of questions. Right. And, uh, <laughs> someone's going to try to answer them. Unfortunately, we are left with Fennel to uh, <laughs> put it all together. Yes, and uh, he's not the most capable of communicating these ideas to the audience. He mostly speaks in improvised guitar. This continues to kind of drift the camera around as we get credits on screen, and he continues to play guitar. The camera drifts around a bit more and finally cuts to Antonio's uh, body face up in the water as he was uh, face down and naked before. Yeah, someone flipped him. Yes. Fennel in the voiceover notes it's been a while since he threw him in the water he's seen dead bodies before but not his master he was alive a while ago and happy why did he have to die like that we cut to a shot of the countryside the camera drifts along the coast in the water we see fennel sitting at the poolside again this time somewhere else on a chair a car pulls up and we're introduced to Antonio and Julia. Antonio is played by Antonio Mayans. There's a lot of creativity there. Yeah. Uh, and then Julia is Lena Romay's character. Excellent. So, there are five characters in this movie. We've met three so far. We have met three of them. One of the three that we've met was Antonio, played yeah. by Antonio. So not a lot of creativity in that name. No. And the two women that we haven't met... Are Marta and Martina. Yeah, that became confusing. <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot of creativity put into the names of the characters in this one. No, it's a wonder that they really just used 
something besides their own first names. <laughs> At least then we know how to pronounce them. So Antonio starts to show Julia around his house and introduces her to Fennel and then Marta, the maid. Marta is Elisa Vela. Yeah, she has medium length brown hair. Yes. <laughs> That's how I distinguish them. <laughs> Antonio's excited that Julia is getting along with his servants at this point. Uh, he then stops to whisper at Marta and says, Don't be stupid. He only loves her and tells her that he'll meet with her later. He slaps her butt. Yes, he does. <laughs> But he tells Marta to show Julia around, and so she takes off. And Antonio then starts to yell at Fennel, because apparently he was playing a wedding march Yeah. when Julia showed up. Yeah, he didn't like his little prank. Yeah, he threatens to throw him in the pool, but decides not to. Yeah, he's a little wrestling match with him, and it really scares Fennel. <laughs> <laughs> Marta shows Julia to the room she's going to be staying in. She's pleased with it, but... Marta immediately starts to grill Julia on her relationship with Antonio. She explains that she's jealous of any woman that Antonio brings home. Julia promises not to steal Antonio away from her. Now, about this scene, it's been shot through glass, it looks like. Yes. And, and I'm only, I only bring this up because you mentioned earlier that there were there's only so much the camera could move and only... So far, before you see it, you can see this guy's reflection the entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of you know, as he goes back and forth with the camera. But uh, normally, I'm like, that's a technical detail. You can't control that kind of thing sometimes. But he absolutely had control over it. <laughs> and he he chose his 50 cuts very carefully. Yes, he did. <laughs> Yeah, Jess uh, had no problem with that. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I do enjoy, again, about the cinematography in this film is Jess Franco's cinematography in general is very voyeuristic. Mm -hmm. And this film kind of leans into that because there's tons of shots that are yeah, through yeah. a window pane yeah, or, or like, through a doorway. There's or like through an a entire five minute shot that's, yeah, just like through a screen that's kind of in and out of focus the entire time. Right. Yeah. Um, no, he loves it. Marta then explains to Julia that she was born in Africa and her parents died when she was young, so Antonio and his wife Martina took her in. He then raped her when she was 12. Yes. And she's been obsessed with him ever since. Yes, this is... Uh, Antonio's not a good guy. No. <laughs> Marta <clears throat> explains that she's his slave. In fact, she's both of their slave. She's, or in fact, she's slave to both of them. No. She then says that she and Fennel are just toys to them, objects in their house. Julia then asks Marta about Martina, and Marta explains she's being discharged from the asylum today. Marta then asks Julia what she's going to wear for dinner. She explains she didn't bring much, so Marta says that she'll get her something. She says that they like to dress up for dinner, and Martina likes daring dresses and daring cleavage. So Julia starts to smoke while Marta runs off, and she brings back a wrap. She dances around a bit with it, and you get tons of just kind of roaming over 
Julia's body with the camera, like zoomed in shots of her tits that pan down to her bush. Marta then leaves the room and immediately Antonio swoops in and starts to passionately make out with Julia. He says, I love you, and they make out more. Julia then demands that he makes love to her now, so they get down on the couch and start to make out. He then tells her he can only get excited when she uses her mouth, so she does. Yeah, and a very unconvincing simulated blowjob. Yes. Yeah, she's Uh, twisting and thrashing her head all about. Yes. The camera drifts up from her head for the most part, but then pans back down and we get to see her... uh, not so subtle performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this film has some of the some of the worst simulated sex. Uh, the set of showgirls. <laughs> Julia says to Antonio that he promised her tonight would be the night, and he better not back out. He says he won't, and tonight is the best night, as there will only be one witness left. One stupid witness us the audience yes (laughs) (laughs) she keeps at her fake blow job and uh he says marta will fall and he tells her hold tight you whore (laughs) as she's blowing him and then he tells her to turn around and uh he places her on top of him in reverse cowgirl sitting uh he explains Martina will be here soon. She's a schizophrenic nymphomaniac. He tells her we'll have a lot of wild pleasure with her dead. We'll orgasm at the same time, and then we'll go away to spend her millions. Oh, yeah. He seemingly finishes inside of her, Mm -hmm. and they kiss on the couch, and he leaves as Julia continues to look on kind of dreamy-eyed. It's at this point that we cut to the car pulling up and Martina's there working her way down the steps and into the house looking around. Mm -hmm. She starts talking to herself after sitting down, mentioning she was last there in 1978. It's at this point that Marta walks up and greets her. Martina opens up Marta's dress and stares at her naked body. Marta says she's making a cocktail for her special guest and leaves. Antonio comes up behind Martina and they greet and make out. We see Julia coming down the steps, only barely covered in that wrap. She walks in on Antonio and Martina, and uh, Antonio introduces them to each other. Marta joins the three of them, and they all toast to Martina's return with these special cocktails she made. These cocktails feature prominently in the film, but we don't learn anything about them. I think the implication is that, if nothing else, Julia was drugged with her cocktail. Excellent. And perhaps everybody was drugged with it. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this film would work well with a drugged cocktail. (laughs) That is probably the best way to view this film. (laughs) Julia notes that the drink's strong and... Martina and Marta leave to get ready. Antonio then asks Julia what she thinks of Martina. She says she's pretty. Prettier than me. Antonio tells her that he loves her again, and they make out hard with him kissing down her exposed breasts and 
down to her lap as Julia moans in pleasure. He then sits up and calls Julia a whore before encouraging her to drink more and then kissing on her more. I was hoping that she was going to spit it all back into his mouth. (laughs) That would have been cool, but that didn't happen, unfortunately. She says she's getting dizzy, and yeah, he tells her that he wants to drink the alcohol from her mouth. Yeah, that's where I got the idea. But uh, we didn't really see that actually happen. No. Fennel walks in and starts playing guitar as he just sits there and watches them. Franco likes to do a show, not tell, or a, a tell, not show <laughs> yes. technique. <laughs> Antonio is seemingly going down on Julia at this point. Julia asks Antonio, who's that man? He says, he's not a man, he's an idiot. Oh. He tells her that he's always lived here. At this point, Marta creeps up naked and joins in in the kissing and caressing licking julia's nipples especially before making out with antonio marta then walks off and martina walks up she's wearing this golden green dress wrap thing that's kind of barely covering her yes this is an island where the brazier has not been invented (laughs) yes Antonio walks over and kneels in front of Martina, who sits down in a chair. He professes his love to her, and she grabs his hair, and they start making out. We then hear Julia shuddering and moaning as Martina tells Antonio to look at her. Her head's kind of leaned back, and her eyes are mostly closed. Fennel is still playing guitar. In voiceover, Fennel says, They don't think I have feelings. He says he's background music to them like a radio, but he's not. He likes to watch them make love. Julia is caressing her nipples and moaning more as Antonia and Martina make out. Fennel says, I've seen them do bad things at the end of the night. That scream, a boy. He was very little. They slashed his throat like a pig. They killed a boy? Yes. (laughs) That's fucked up. He notes that his master and his lady bathed in the blood, and Fennel had to clean that up and dispose of the things. <laughs> it's the idea of him just having to wash up after all the, the blood orgies they get to have. Right. <laughs> He's just like, oh, another body to toss into the ocean. <laughs> or or the, the pool. Right. That's the case may be. Julia starts to caress Antonio from behind. She asks to join them in making love, and Antonio says she should never beg. For them, everything is permitted. We play the most unusual and forbidding games with the same impunity as our ancestors. Begging is for despicable beings. Martina adds, and we don't despise you. Yeah, they play their own games. They're baby-eating games. (laughs) (laughs) Antonio exposes Martina's breasts and places Julia's hand on one as he starts to fondle the other. Marta then watches on from behind a screen and is touching herself and moaning. Julia commits to follow them until the end of the night, regardless of what happens. They continue to caress one another. Marta continues to watch and caress herself. Lots of tonguey kissing between the three that are joined together there. It is an extremely... Um, tongue you will kiss. Yes. Three slugs 
thrashing against a, a canvas of flesh. Yes. And it goes on for a while, as all the shots in this film do. Yes, we <laughs> we get a very extended shot here. We get a shot of the coastline. Then the shot zooms back out. We realize that it was out the window of this room. And the shot then pans over to them making out and caressing each other and doing their thing. And then after a bit, it drifts out to another window and zooms into the countryside. We then see Marta walk into another room and look out the window. She lays back on a couch and starts to masturbate. Antonio then walks into the room and immediately undresses, mounting Marta on the couch, missionary. We then see the shot zoom out from them and then down the steps where we see Martina and Julia approaching a staircase. And then the shot drifts back up to them and we see Martina and Julia walk into the room with Antonio and Marta. Martina's got a crop with her. Julia's just following her naked. Yes. She interrupts them and says, How dare you? Marta asks what's going on, and Martina says that she's going to kill her. <laughs> oh, fuck. So. Um, this is just QAnon. This is just what they believe. The rich people <laughs> just harvest you and take your blood, and then uh, they'll do it for party drugs. Right. <laughs> Martina calls Julia over, who buries her head in Marta's crotch, and then Martina uses a uh, weird little knife or razor edge uh, tool to cut Marta's face and chest multiple times, with mostly no blood, yeah. including when she cuts her neck. Yeah, she cuts her neck and cries out, and I was like, maybe that was just like a, a psych moment, but I think you're supposed to see the blood in your mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's the kind of thing you can um, reasonably achieve if you use effective quick cutting and editing. Right. Um, but we don't have that here. No. Um, <laughs> one of the things that Stephen Thrower talked about when discussing this film was Jess had a v very big aversion to special effects. Sure. Uh Mostly because it just slowed things down because you had to wait for the effects guy to get everything set up and get everything rigged up, and that took forever. And then, if the special effect doesn't work right the first time, you have to do it all over again. Okay, I can kind of see where that would get in the way of your uh, two-day turnaround. Right, so he was always not a fan of that. Um Thrower also posited that that might be one of the reasons that he didn't like shooting hardcore films as much because one of the problems that people run into a lot is uh, people being able to get erections. Yeah, that could that's a real problem for that's, as we've seen um, in that uh, that terrible ex hamster reality show. Those guys couldn't get it uh, up. Yeah. Uh, the sex factor. Yeah, the sex factor. They could not get that up at all. That's no, why most couldn't. of them were eliminated. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, again, it was something that slowed down his production, and he hated that. He just wanted to be shooting something at all times, basically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there wasn't much effort put into the blood here. They almost certainly did one take and were like, okay, that's as good as it's going to get. Yeah, it's um, it's fine. I love it. Julia continues to go down on Marta, and Martina asks Julia, isn't it wonderful? 
feeling the throbbing pussy of someone about to die. Yes. Fennel sits down in the room and plays. We hear Marta screaming off screen. She's seemingly being cut more. Martina tells Julia, punish her. And so Julia hits her with the crop repeatedly, unconvincingly. Julia leans over Marta's face and seems to be reaching behind her to play with herself. At some point, unbeknownst, I put my hair back up. I said I was going to let my hair down, so hold on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) As the camera zooms into Julia's face, apparently somebody put some blood on Marta because we zoom back out and see some in her belly in a few spots. Antonia and Martina leave, and then Julia leaves as Fennel continues to play guitar. and He jams out in the corpse room. Yes. He stops playing and sits down his guitar, and then he starts to pull Marta, and we cut away from him to the sky, and then cut back to him dragging her around the house. Yeah, we get a lot of him dragging her around the house. Yes. Uh, maybe not as much as I think. Maybe I, at that point, I just started to um, imagine it as it becomes a more impressionistic film. We cut to an out-of-focus shot. Here's some sounds of moaning. The shot goes into focus, and we see some of the cocktails from earlier sitting on a table. But behind them is Julia, who's writhing and moaning naked on a couch. We get some shots out the window of the countryside at night and pan to Fennel playing guitar. He's apparently sitting across and just watching Julia as she's moaning and writhing around. He's apparently humming, too. Antonio approaches the couch and kneels down, and they start to make out as he's holding her breasts and she continues to thrash around. Martina sits down at the foot of the couch and starts to caress Julia's body, kissing her legs, and then starting to go down on her. Antonio undresses Martina and starts to make out with her. We get a shadowy shot of uh, Antonio Mayan's sack as he gets up and mounts her in the darkness. Julia then gets up and sits across from them, and then gets behind Antonio and starts to rub and kiss Antonio's ass. This continues for a couple minutes, and the camera pans back to the cocktail glasses and goes out of focus again just as this uh, scene started. We then cut to Antonio having sex with Martina in a bed elsewhere, and Julia walks in and sits down in a nearby chair. It's at this point that I ask myself, was this wicker furniture the same stuff that they used in Shining Sex? I think there's a good possibility. (laughs) I know a couple years, uh, I think, between the two, but... Was Shining Sex was late 70s or was it early 80s? It was late 70s. It was okay. like 77, 78, something like that. They had it. That's the same room. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's not watching them have sex. She's just staring off and uh, caressing her breasts and masturbating. Antonio seemingly finishes inside Martina and then lays face down on the bed while Martina sits up and massages his back. But after a minute, he rolls over and Martina mounts him cowgirl. As the camera zooms in, it's obvious there is no penetration happening here. The camera drifts from them back over to Julia masturbating. After a bit, Antonio seemingly finishes again. 
Martina then walks over to Julia and starts to caress her breasts. She then whispers, It's now or never. He's exhausted. He can't fight back. Our plan is working. It's explained that Martina and Julia actually have been lovers for a long time and met in the asylum that Martina was in. Yes, it's all been a complex double cross. Yes. So, throughout this we have Antonio and... Julia and Antonio has created the plan for them to murder Martina. Yeah. But there was also Antonio and Marta who he was telling Marta that he only truly loved her and it seemed like they were scheming something as well. And now we have this where Julia and Martina are scheming against Antonio and also Marta has already been killed. (laughs) Marta's dead. Yes. She's not part of this anymore. Don't bring her name up. Martina tells Julia that now he's in the same trap that he was trying to set for her, Martina. Oh, no. Julia then runs off, seemingly bothered by all of this. Antonio asks what she said to make her run off, and Martina says, Don't worry. She'll convince her to come back. She mentions it's her first time, after all. We get some more shots of the coastline, and then we see Antonio laying down somewhere else. It looks like he's... How did you describe that carpet or... Oh, yeah, it's a carpet of those, um... Those, like, little potholders where it's just, like, a bunch of, like, coiled material. Like, it's like a rope-like material. Yeah, it's like a, a rope-like rope. material that's been, like, like woven into different forms. Uh, your mom might have had one that was, like... Maybe kind of like flower-shaped or chicken or something like that. But he has a rug of them. <laughs> yes, he does. It seems uncomfortable to have sex on. It seems uncomfortable to die on. <laughs> Martina starts to caress Antonio. He mentions he's very tired, but Martina says, Don't worry, Julia's coming back. He says, It's strange how tired he is, but he wants to continue until the end, he says. So Martina walks away. Antonio says, Julia, Julia. We see some feet walk up and plant themselves on either side of his head. He reaches up and runs his fingers through Julia's pubes. Then Julia crouches down and sits on his face as he pleasures her. After a minute, she stands back up and then seemingly mounts him. Cowgirl starts to sway back and forth on top of him. Martina then approaches with a chain. She drapes it around both Julia and Antonio's necks. Julia continues to ride for a bit. But in a moment, Julia quickly dismounts and then both she and Martina pull the chain tight, strangling Antonio to death. Yes, just, uh, they jobbed him. <laughs> yes, they jobbed him. Yeah, he gets jobbed and he gets choked out and, uh... Doesn't seem like a very tense choking, but they did what they did. <laughs> I have to assume that this is where George Lucas came up with that idea. Yeah, I would think so. It lines up. There's a quick edit. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he watched this one and they rewrote all of the first act of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it was just going to be a lot more Ewoks and shit, but he's like, no, no, I got an idea. <laughs> And he had to build all of that to uh, make it work. It's, uh, you know, it's a testament to his abilities as a director. Yeah, as a creative. (laughs) (laughs) 
Julia and Martina start to make out over Antonio's corpse and caress each other's nipples. After a bit, they overlap their legs over Antonio's body and caress each other's legs and reach in and start to rub each other's vaginas. All of this is being shot through a weird beaded curtain, so it has this uh, kind of blurry foreground that you're looking through the whole time. Yes. They get up and then Fennel approaches Antonio. He tries to smack him awake unsuccessfully. He then starts to conduct a funeral march with his mouth and fingers. Yeah, he does it um, his way. Yes. Fennel's way. Yeah. Which is uh, one of the next films I plan on making. Fennel's way. (laughs) We cut to Julia and Martina. We get this shot through this uh, Asian screen. And they're making out with one another and Martina looks off off camera somewhere else where I guess the intention is they're kind of overlooking wherever um, Antonio's body was. She says, look at him like a pig. She says that she hated faking that they didn't know each other in front of him. Martina is looking forward to debauchery without limits, without him. As they're talking, we hear Fennel in the background. (laughs) Martina lays in Julia's lap and looks up at her. Julia reaches down and starts to pleasure Martina as Martina stares off, seemingly towards Antonio. Julia starts to then go down on Martina. Uh, But really, you can tell that she's just rubbing her chin against uh, Martina's pubes. Julia's leg is over Martina, but... They're not 69ing. Uh, Martina just continues to look away. After a bit, they get really to rocking as the uh, music cuts out and we just hear the beds creaking back and forth. Yes. The, the wet slurp of tongues. <laughs> Fennel is crying as he carries Antonio away and the ladies keep at it. Julia rolls off of Martina and the ladies caress each other for another moment before Martina sits up, holding Julia's hand and leads her away. We then see Fennel roll Antonio into the pool. The women walk naked out of the house as Fennel looks on. He then, just as at the beginning of the film, posts himself on the rail of the fence next to the pool and starts to play guitar. Yeah. He says, now they've left. My master's dead. I'm sure he's dead. He didn't complain when I put him in the pool. He mentions that he'll be preserved better in the water. He doesn't like it when they get all soft and full of flies. Yeah, I don't think that's going to help. He's just going to turn into soup. (laughs) Fennel notes that he'll be so bored without them. After all, they were so happy just a few hours ago. And then... Finn. Finn. And that was Cries of Pleasure. So Finn on Finnell. Yes, Finn on Finnell. That's a rap on Finnell. Yeah, that's it for him. <laughs> He's going to die there alone. Yes, he doesn't know how to feed himself. Yeah, I don't know who... I don't really know what he's capable of besides strumming the guitar and carrying people to the corpse field. Really, that's... What else do you need, usually, as long as you have a master? Yeah. But he has no master, so who knows? It's rough. (laughs) Well, we'll definitely have to cover the sequel that doesn't exist soon. Excellent. Excellent. All right. 
We'll right. take a quick break and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Cries of Pleasure. All right, we're back on the Raincoat Report with more Franco February. So, Jeremy, why don't you take us on a journey through your own cries of pleasure? That's mine. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Oh, it's um, spiritual. (laughs) No, this is a very much a slice of uncut Franco, uh, as in he didn't cut anything. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, it's definitely one of those like very impressionistic sort of Franco works where he has everything set up but doesn't really exploit it. He just kind of lets them go with vague directions. Right. Like, there's a plot there, and it kind of matters. It gets executed eventually, but it's definitely not a film that's in a hurry to do anything. Yeah. Which um, I think, if you like Franco, you can be uh, definitely in the mood for sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, this one def- uh, harkens back to some of the ones that we had covered uh, last year, like Shining Sex, you had mentioned, or uh, Vampiros Lesbos. Yeah. I would say this fits into that category of their just being along for the ride type film. Right. But yeah, it has a lot of the elements that you would normally expect from a Franco film. I don't know if it's a standout one. Uh, it doesn't have as much supernatural stuff, which I tend to like more um, in his films. This one is a uh, more reality-based, definitely a thriller. It's more of a chiller <laughs> because it takes its time, not because it will chill your blood. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would give it probably a three out of five. I think it's uh, worth seeing overall in the Franco canon. It's got a lot of nice scenery, as a Franco film does. I think uh, you can just put it on and wrap yourself in a big warm blanket that uncle just made for you <laughs> um, that's gonna be it for me this week until i talk again boss over to you <laughs> uh I, I like this film a lot i think that this is you know like you said and like i said earlier i mean it's like we've said like we've said even it's uh pure franco for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And I really dig it for that. I like that it's him going back to ideas that he has gone to over and over and over again, but he's doing something a bit different with this one. He's also leveraging his low budget here to the best of his abilities by having just five people in the cast. Oh, one thing worth noting. Yes. We don't see Fennel talk at any time during the film. It's all narration voiceover, and all of that was done by Jess himself. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't it be? 
Right. <laughs> so that's a, that's a fun little factoid. But uh, I really like a lot of this film. Um, the soundtrack is good. It's not the best of mm, Jess Franco, no, but there's... I think that it's uh, it's definitely good. Still, I like it. Okay. Um, there are certain points where like the music just drops out, but it feels pretty intentional to focus on whatever cries of pleasure are happening at the time. Yeah, there were yeah the points where just the moaning and sucking of pleasure. <laughs> um, but the music itself is a bunch of just stuff from Daniel White that some of which had been used in other Jess Franco films. Some came off of just uh somewhere out of the daniel white library nothing made for this film itself but it i wouldn't say that it was daniel white's uh best work used in this film but it kind of helps get the job done at least uh like i talked a bit before i really like the cinematography in this film Mm -hmm. it's what really kind of conveys the franco-ness of everything um, Jess Franco himself as a director is like the ultimate voyeur creating yes. for a voyeur's art form. And in this film, the camera itself feels like a voyeur the entire time, which isn't necessarily the case with all of Jess's films. Like the viewfinder of the camera yeah. is always voyeuristic, but in this case there's the fact that it's always being shot through or around something yeah, really, kind of really cements it. I feel like Fennell is kind of a narrator who just ambles in and out. Yeah. I think sometimes he just shows up and no one ever tries to shoo him away. He's just part of the scenery. Right. He's just one of the idiots in the castle. Yeah, the most he gets is a threat to be thrown into the pool. He doesn't like that, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's an interesting technique that I think, uh, I don't think Franco fully exploited or knew he was, knew how to exploit it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, because it does feel sort of like he's supposed to be relating the story to us. And he's not obviously like a reliable narrator as a person. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't think enough of that comes through in the film if that's how it's supposed to be. But right. I think probably Franco just thought that that was probably the easiest way to establish a thread in the film. Perhaps. Yeah, would just be like, I'll just do all this. I don't have to pay the same guy to do the voice. I'll do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, I liked it. It's not the best Franco film, but mm-hmm. I think it's a solid film from this era. It would only be a couple years until things started to really decline for Franco. Yeah. So, while this is a low-budget production and certainly something that was made in an incredibly brief period of time, mm-hmm. it still has some creativity seeping through it. Yeah, I- say it's more of a, a must-see than something like Lulu's Talking Ass, which came out of the same period. Right. Uh, that one has a better overall idea to it, but the execution isn't there. This one, I would say the idea isn't as explosive, but it's a better made and more interesting film. Right. I would agree with that. And uh, going back to what I was saying before about Jess not really liking to shoot those hardcore films and having to wait on people to get erections. Lulu's talking ass is a good example of that. Yeah. Because, like, 
basically nobody has an erection in that film. Yeah, that's true. No one. You're right. <laughs> this is an hour with no one erect. <laughs> but uh, for Cries of Pleasure, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Okay. Uh, I think it's worth checking out. And uh, yeah, that's the Cries of Pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget your raincoat and check us out. I can't end the episode. We have to promote stuff. Uh, well, our, <laughs> our <laughs> we are planning to launch our Patreon on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. You can get it. Share it with someone you love. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll be posting that on our social media um because we're technically considering our patreon to be adult oriented uh you can't actually find us by searching for us but oh no we'll have a link <laughs> it'll probably be just patreon.com slash raincoat report or oh. just search for us directly this is a nightmare <laughs> I don't know. Go to our social media. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll put something together to make sure you can find it. But uh, we've still got another week plus until you have to worry about that. But just keep an eye out. Uh, we're going to have... They're trying to run us off the internet. <laughs> uh, the goal is... they didn't like what I did when I was in there. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but we should have... Uh, the plan is to have two bonus episodes a month of... Uh, various bullshittery between the two of us mm -hmm. you'll also have access to the episodes without ads oh yeah and Excellent. uh technically early access in the sense that when i'm done editing it i'll go ahead and post it on patreon okay but with the caveat that sometimes i finish editing just hours before it would normally go up anyway so there you have it if you you can maybe hear us a 30 minutes early. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's probably going to be a day early more often than not, but still. Well, there like, you go. You'll be ahead of everyone else. <laughs> yes. Like uh, you got a time machine that takes you just to hearing us. But yeah, be watching out for more information on Instagram and Twitter at Raincoat Report. Yep. If you need to email us, raincoatreport at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, tell a friend, get more ears on the raincoat report. And uh, if you're an idiot playing guitar next to a pool after you've thrown your master in it, uh, don't forget your raincoat. Yeah, 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 yeah.